So, we've been looking at the book of Luke uh, since the time of Passover, um, the Passover in Luke, not our Passover. And uh, we recently we talked about the fact that Yeshua was betrayed, Yeshua was accused, he was handed over to the will of the people, and then he was crucified. You know, the scary thing about the will of the people is that they're easily swayed by outward appearances, peer pressure, and they need to find someone to blame. Imagine the newspaper headlines if it happened today. He says he's Messiah, but he can't save himself. Judas, a disciple of Yeshua, stole money, then killed himself. Don't follow Yeshua. Yeshua heals, but not in his hometown. Yeshua's disciples make a run for it. Yeshua's family and followers watch him get crucified. Each one of these headlines brings a story, and depending on how you tell the story, which our media seems to be good at, telling stories, that it might not be exactly the way it happened. So we're going to take the scripture and we're going to look at crucifixion. The disciples all knew scripture, but they thought that Messiah would be a conquering king. They didn't understand he would first come as a suffering servant. We see in Mark 9, 31, Yeshua was teaching his disciples and telling them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after he is killed, three days later, he will rise up. But the disciples didn't understand this statement, and they were too afraid to ask him about it. Our Jewish people just don't see it even today. But it's easy for you and I many of us believers, most of us believers, to look back approximately 700 years before Yeshua at Isaiah 53, and we understood from, or we understand from looking back, it's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback, that Messiah would be successful despite his sufferings, and Messiah would be successful due to his sufferings. It says in verse 4, of Isaiah 53, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our pains. And in verse 5, it says, he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. The chastisement for our shalom was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. In verse 6, it says, so Adonai has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Verse 8, for he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. Verse 10, it pleased Adonai to bruise him. He caused him to suffer if he makes his soul a guilt offering. Verse 11, he will bear their iniquities. Twelve, therefore I will give 
him a portion with the great, and he will divide the spoil with the mighty, because he poured out his soul to death and was counted with transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Wow, how can you miss it? How can you miss it? It is so obvious who this is speaking of. I tell the story often that I had, I was sharing with a fellow in Israel, and I said, you know what? You read it in Hebrew. I'm not going to even tell you. You tell me. And, and this person who was not a believer said, well, it sounds like Yeshua. And I said, well, I'll tell you what Jewish people say, Israelis and other Jewish people around the world, they say that this is about Israel. And he said, can't be. That's just not the way it reads. In, in, and anybody would know who was being honest. It was Yeshua. This is what he did for us. And so the idea of a crucifixion is should have been obvious, it wasn't obvious. But I'd like to talk about four things today concerning the crucifixion that we should get out of it. Number one, God is faithful. What he says in his word comes to pass. And so as we just read Isaiah 53, it came to pass. Leviticus 17.11, blood is required for atonement comes to pass. Psalm 22, 15 through 19 describes the crucifixion. It comes to pass. Zechariah 12, 10 talks about they will mourn the one who was pierced. It comes to pass. The credibility of Scripture gives us faith. Promises and prophecies made and kept and the promises of his love for us are as true as all of these other promises. So let's read together Luke's account of the crucifixion and see what else God would have us know about this and apply it to our lives. So we're going to look at Luke 23, starting with verse 32. Others two evildoers were also led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place called the skull, they, there they crucified him and the evildoers, one on his right and the other on his left. But Yeshua was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Then they cast lots, dividing up his clothing. So as you can see, there are some things that are going to be highlighted in a different color. And the purpose of that is because I want you to focus on what Yeshua is saying here. But we'll talk about it in a minute. Verse 35, the people stood there watching, and even the leaders were sneering at him, saying he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, the chosen one. The soldiers likewise mocked him, coming up and bringing him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now there was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the evildoers hanging there was jeering at him, saying, Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other one, rebuking him, replied, Do you fear God, 
since you are under the same sentence, we're getting what we deserve for our actions, and rightly so, but this one has done nothing wrong. And he said, Yeshua, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Yeshua said to him, Amen, I tell you, today you shall be with me in paradise. The second concept that we learn from the crucifixion is that God hates sin. Where do we see that? Well, Yeshua's just excruciating pain comes and gives us an indication that this pain was for the atonement of our sin. God required such a horrendous sacrifice for our sin. But most people, honestly, don't look at their sin. Most people don't. And just about the pain, when I say excruciating, the word comes from the Roman word, which means out of the cross. So we see this excruciating pain based on the sin. And this, this kind of pain was intended to produce the greatest amount of pain and suffering. It was reserved for the worst criminals. Now, I'm pretty sure that I cannot convince many people about how awful sin is. But I'm going to give a try to explaining to you how awful the sacrifice for our sin was. The scourging prior to crucifixion tore open Yeshua's back and caused bleeding. They tore off his clothes, threw him to the ground. This was after beating him, right? And fixed his hands to the crossbeam, driving approximately seven-inch nails through his wrists and feet. Raising the cross upwards, the wounds on his back were again torn open with the knees flexed at about a 45-degree angle, his thigh muscles bore the weight. But that only is for about five minutes. Just can't do it longer than that. When his legs couldn't take the pressure, the arms and shoulders took the weight of his body, resulting in the shoulders becoming probably dislocated, and then the elbows dislocated, and then the wrists. With his arms dislocated, his body weight transferred to his chest, causing his ribcage to be elevated. In order to exhale, Yeshua pushed down on his feet to allow the rib muscles to relax. It made it easier for him to inhale, but almost impossible for him to exhale. This probably caused severe muscle cramps which made his breathing worse. Each effort to get a proper breath was agonizing and exhausting. Now, I'm, I give you that description not to make you feel bad, 
but just to give you a sense of what God put Yeshua through in order to atone for your sins and my sins. And for that, I would think that sins must be awful. If God is going to do that, if God is going to go through that kind of trouble. In John 19.31, it talks about this time. It was the day of preparation, and the next day was the festival Shabbat, so that the bodies should not remain on the execution stake during Shabbat. The Judean leaders asked Pilate to have the legs broken and to have the bodies taken away. So what we see here is when the Romans wanted to rush a death, they would break the legs of the people being crucified. And so soon, when you break their legs and you're in that position, breathing becomes labored and then you quickly die. When they went to Yeshua, as you know, Yeshua had already died. And we see here, again from the book of John, 1934, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. He who has seen it has testified, and his testimony is true. He knows that he's telling the truth, so that you also may believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not a bone of his shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall uh, look on him whom they have pierced. The enormity of sin in God's mind requires an enormity of sacrifice to atone for it. And so I would like you to think of sin as different than maybe when you came in today, of what, how bad sin actually is. Yeshua willingly, we talked about that last week, th went through this torture so that we would be set free from the torture of sin. God hates sin. That's my second point. My third point is, he forgave those who put him through this torture. Now, when you talk to somebody about forgiveness, the first thing that they say is, he didn't repent. Why should I forgive them? That's the first thing people say. But obviously, it didn't seem to matter for Yeshua. Because... They didn't acknowledge their sin. In fact, after he forgave them, they mocked him. They did not repent. They mocked him, and he taught his disciples there, right there, and us, about forgiveness. So we can read a lot of scriptures about forgiveness, but he modeled the teaching. He was able to forgive while he was in excruciating pain. His atonement forgave all of our sins, covered all of our sins, yesterday's, today's, 
and the sins we have tomorrow. But it's not just about forgiveness. Yeshua did way more than that. Yeshua taught us that forgiveness includes mercy and grace, which is my fourth point. Mercy is the deliverance from judgment. Nobody showed Yeshua mercy. But I believe Yeshua showed everybody mercy because he could have come down. He could have struck all the people who were there and didn't. And he exhibited grace in extending, because grace is extending a blessing to the unworthy. People who shouldn't get it. But grace is grace. You give it to them, whether they deserve it or not. And so he says to the criminal, today you shall be with me in paradise. That's grace. So he shows mercy. He shows grace. Look, if God only atoned for our sins, Dayenu, right? It would have been enough. But he showed us so much more. He showed us that in your life, bad things can happen. Certainly not as bad as what happened to Yeshua. But often we say when something bad happens, why me, Lord? Why me? When we should be saying, God is calling me to overcome how I feel and live life to the fullest until he takes me home. And on that way, we should, even though I feel terrible because of what's going on with me, God wants me to forgive. He wants me to be filled with mercy and grace. It's not enough just to forgive. And especially when I feel terrible, that's when it means the most, right? Some of you are saying right now, but you don't understand my situation. And I guess the only thing I could reply is, is your situation worse than Yeshua's crucifixion? To those of you who are listening on Facebook who have never received Yeshua as your Messiah, I'd like to apologize for my actions and the actions of my fellow believers because we are not worthy to be disciples of Yeshua. We're sinners and not great examples of believers because God set the bar so high. And though we're seeking to do what he wants, we fail a lot. You too can know Yeshua. Start by proclaiming that you want to have him in your heart. We then go on for a lifetime journey, setting our eyes on him and trying to learn to be intimate with him and become more like him. I pray that there will be some people who are watching on Facebook or even somebody here who would like to start that journey. Why come to the Lord? Why Accept Yeshua into your heart because he keeps his promises. He hates sin. He atones for all sin. He give, forgives all, and he pours out grace and mercy 
upon me and you. So those who want to receive God who is so amazingly good, just repent before him, say you receive Yeshua into your life, and, de and just say, I dedicate my life to the Lord. God will receive you in. He'll do amazing things for you. And we'd like to know that you've done this. So call our office on Monday morning. We want to hear about it. If there's somebody here who did it today, speak to us after services. We want to help you. And this journey, which is such a beautiful journey, seeking to become righteous. So let's close in prayer. Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King, we love you, we praise you, we worship you. We ask that if there's anybody who's made that commitment to you, Lord, that you touch their heart right now and bring them joy because in your presence is fullness of joy. I pray that the love of Messiah would touch them and they would realize the anguish that Yeshua went through in order for us to receive atonement. Lord, I pray that this day would be a monument to you, that, that this sh Shabbat, as we have the rest of this Shabbat, would bring you praise and honor and glory. And that we and our families will share the love of Messiah, which is beyond what we can even conceive of, that kind of love. But we also know that that kind of love never fails. So we bless you, Lord. We thank you and honor you. In the name of Yeshua, amen.